What's up, everybody? My name is Joshua Stein of the J. Stein Law Firm in Atlanta, Georgia, and welcome to this next episode of Sports and Torts, where each week we sit down with our friends, peers, and colleagues and talk about those things that are of most interest to us, sports, law, and business. Here in Georgia, it is National Championship Week, and we are gearing up for a rematch between our Georgia Bulldogs and Alabama Crimson Tide for all the marbles. Us Dogs fans could not be more excited, and joining me today to talk about the game is my good friend, Lawrence Kessler, a.k.a. Big Lair 99. Me and Lawrence went to UGA together and have been to a ton of games together and watched a ton of games together, so he's a perfect person to come and break this stuff down. We are making the trip up to Indianapolis and can't wait to talk more about it today. Big Lair, how you doing, buddy? Hey, how man. you feeling this week leading up to this big old national championship game? I'm good. It's good to see you. Uh, we had a great time down at the Orange Bowl, and uh, yeah, here we are again with uh, Big Bad Alabama head our way. We can't ever seem to avoid those guys, but we got another chance at them. So real quick, you know, I like to set the stage of, of where we're at. We're at my house. We are together recording this. Um, we just poured some screwdrivers, orange juice, and Tito's to, of course, commemorate Georgia winning the Orange Bowl last week. Kirby tossing oranges out all over the crowd. You were there. You were down in Miami um, enjoying all of the fun. So, so real quick, you know, tell us. You know, how was that experience and what were your takeaways from the Orange Bowl? Yeah, indeed. Indeed, we were. We made a, a family trip out of it over the break. Uh, but hey, you can't beat Miami in December, January. And uh, it was a good excuse to get the family out of town um, and make the and make a trip to the Orange Bowl. Um, it was my first time going to the Orange Bowl, Miami in general. So travel logistics. Uh, we flew into Fort Lauderdale. We left a rainy flight delayed Atlanta on Thursday. Uh, drove down the 30, 45 minutes down to Miami, stayed on the beach. Um, we, overall, for the five days we were there, we had great weather, hit the beach, hit the pool, ate good food, and of course, we brought home a dog's victory. What could be better? You know, we, we've talked a lot on this podcast and, and just, you know, as friends about how the bowl season, the, the bowl just process, the majesty has kind of gone away. We've been to several bowl games together. It's always fun. You know, get out of Atlanta, whatever the cold city you're in, get down to Florida. So, you know, the Orange Bowl still has a lot of luster. Has the, has the dogs ever played in an Orange Bowl or won an Orange Bowl since we've been fans? Good question. I did a little research on that. I believe we had played in two Orange Bowls. Big Lair always coming yeah. prepared. Two, two, or, two Orange Bowls. Um, and uh, interesting fact, I believe that the our points, 27 points in the first half matched our highest bowl total since the last time we played in the Orange Bowl, which I think was like 1954. I have some notes here that I can fact check that later. <laughs> this guy's coming with all the stats and references. This is, yeah. is going to be fun. Well, let, let's talk more things my speed. Um, the stadium's called Hard Rock. I've never been. How, how is that as a structure, as a, as a facility? Uh, Hard Rock Stadium, also known as the old Joe Robbie Stadium, which may ring a bell. Um, you know, was, was that in Ace Ventura? <laughs> it laces out, man. Laces out. Laces out. That, that, that was where it was filmed, right? That's right. Um, so Hard Rock Stadium is, I think, technically in like Miami Gardens. It's an old stadium um, with a relatively new facelift. Um, I enjoyed it, right? I think if you're going to go to Hard Rock Stadium on a random Sunday for a Dolphins game, it may be a little boring. If you remember old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, Turner Field, kind of nothing around it. Uh, there's absolutely nothing around the stadium, but for the purposes of the Orange Bowl, they set up the fan fest, they had the food trucks, they had gear, they had all the pomp and circumstance that comes with it. Um, you know, it's only a stadium that seats 65,000 people. So 
not really a bad seat in the house, in my opinion. Um, you know, we played the old ticket roulette a couple times, swapping and buying, and we ended up, I got four for my family who sat in section 111. Because there was a time where just you and Sam, you're, That's right. you're four, 13, 14? Sam's 13. 13. Yeah. Just the two y'all were going to go. And then your wife, Lindsay. That's right. She got the bug, man. She wanted, she wanted to go. And then Jordan was all in, too. So all four of y'all went. That's right. Um, and you sent me some pictures of Jordan. I think she had the most fun of all of y'all. Honest to God. So... For those that don't know my wife, uh, she got bit by what we call the FOMO bug, right? So I had purchased tickets for my son and I, uh, and about the day before, I think Wednesday, Lindsay put the hardcore press and said, hey, I really want, if we're going to go down there, I want to go to the game. And I said, hey, Jordan's a wild card. If we can get her to, to manage a night game, um, reason being I took her to a Braves game last year in the second inning after she got her cotton candy and Dippin' Dots, she was like, I want to get out of here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, what, so what was like... Um like a tailgate situation. Yeah. I mean, the weather was nice. I've seen the pictures. Couldn't beat it. Was, did, did they have like a, a parking lot set up? Did you go to restaurants? So we did a couple different things. Um, spoke with some people on, on the way down there. So actually at the airport on Thursday, ran into, I mean, probably 30 people we knew. Some had organized tailgates through the McGill Society and the Alumni Association, all this stuff. Um, what we did is uh, we made plans with some friends down there. We met up around lunchtime at Bayside, which if you haven't been down to Miami recently, really touristy area, but it was convenient for where we were all staying. It's where the cruise ships port where you can go get all your Miami tchotchkes, right? Um, so one of our friends rented out the back of a restaurant. We met there cool. for lunch. Um, and then around three o'clock, we packed in the car. We rolled over to Hard Rock. Um, lucky enough, uh, funny story, in the Sky Club on Thursday, ran into a friend, was talking. I said, I got all my logistics taken care of. All I need is a parking pass. Nice dog fan overheard me, and she goes, here you go. So you handed me a parking pass. So did you drive? You, you didn't get a. We, we drove from Miami up to Miami Gardens, about a 35 minute drive. We ended up with a parking pass that literally was 100 yards from the gate of the stadium, and my car backed up to the game day set. That that Sky Club membership uh, paid for itself. Hey, huh? man. Yeah. What, what, what did Andy Goldner call that? A humble brag? A humble brag, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, American Express, never leave home without it. Hey, it, paid, it, the Sky Club. it paid off. So, um, Michigan fans, uh, I've said before that I, I like Michigan, I like their fans. I got no problem with them. Um, what was your interaction down there with 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 uh, you know with Michigan? Yeah. So there are a lot of them, right? Happy to be there. I think in the state As they should be. This yeah. is the biggest game in years. Uh, I think when if you, yeah, I, I would say my best guess was like a 60-40 split. Michigan fans, um, really nice, really polite. Um, were they loud? They were loud to start the game. That did not last long at all. They didn't have but, much to cheer for. You know, they weren't, they weren't the uh, like uh, really vibrant, crazy, rabid fans that we're used to. And to be quite honest, and I hope this doesn't get me in trouble with any of our Michigan fans, so take this in the spirit with which it's intended. They're a little vanilla. <laughs> that, that's like a butt. <laughs> they were a little vanilla. Uh, you know, once we got up to got up two scores, um, I mean, they might as well have been Missouri fans. Yeah, but they're out of the state of Michigan. They're down in South Florida. Yeah. They're happy to be there. Um, yeah, I, I, I hear you. Though, L- Lindsay, Lindsay made a comment. <laughs> she said, uh, she goes, this is not like what I'm used to. You know, she's only been to a handful of Georgia games all at Sanford State. Georgia, State. Auburn, Georgia, she, LSU. Yeah. She's like used it, to it, getting it is, really rowdy. Fun. And, you know, we were in the midst of all Georgia fans. It was still calm, but it was a good time. So the Georgia fans, it was, it was kind of a strange – I mean, boring is not the right word, but the game was, in my opinion, never really in doubt. Um, so were the Georgia fans just kind of enjoying being there, uh, an easier, less stress type game? So my opinion, um, I think Georgia fans were a little bit disenfranchised leading into this game, and it was very subdued pregame. 
Uh, Georgia fans were quiet. You know, I heard a little bit of what's that coming down the track. Not a lot of it. And like I said, we were outnumbered. And when was the last time you can remember us being outnumbered? We're the ones that are always taking over the stadium. Yeah. Go to Notre Dame, That's right. packing it out. That's right. Tech had 10% fans you know, a, couple, a couple weeks ago. So you're right. That's, That's a right. different situation. But once we got that ball and Stetson led that first drive for a touchdown, the nice little pass to Brock Bowers, you know, there's a big play to, to Mitchell to start that drive. Once we got the lead, once we stopped them on fourth down, you know, we turned that stadium into like Washington Street Tavern circa 1998, man. It was a... It was uh, Greg Bright there. It was a boom boomer, man. It was good stuff. So um, my takeaway of the game, me and you might have watched this game together, the Arkansas game. Mm -hmm. Can't remember if we did or didn't. That was Arkansas was a top 10 team. And that Arkansas game was over after the first drive. You could just tell. I kind of got a similar sense against Michigan, like, the first drive was way easy. If you looked at the offensive line versus defensive line, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't get any penetration. We're getting five, seven yards without even worrying about it. Got the ball back. They gave it the fourth down on the first possession, yep, so first we stopped possession. them. That was a little bit on Harbaugh's um, kind of a reach, you know. I mean, I think they, they were in no man's land. To be honest, I yeah. actually, I actually made that comment to Sammy during the game. I said they got to go for it. They're no, they can't kick it. And they can't punt it. They got to go for it. I guess I wouldn't call it desperate by the same token. We'd be pissed if we did that. Yeah. Right. We'd be like, damn it, Kirby. Pin them deep. Treasure defense. Right. They've got the two you know, biggest D linemen. Whatever. But the, the, the trick play, I do want to talk about that because I feel like other teams are always doing that to us. Mm-hmm. And as a Falcons fan, same thing. Like, we're never the ones that, that, that successfully execute the trick play. The only ones I can remember, remember David Green, that like ball behind yeah, the, the back. Yeah, the, the fake ball the, trick. The fake ball, ball trick, trick yep. yeah. Other than that, like I really can't remember successful trick plays. Uh, Terry Godwin had a halfback pass or a wide receiver screen pass for a touchdown, I believe against TCU maybe in one of those bowl games way back when. Um, and I think this was the first halfback touchdown since Thomas Brown. Oh gosh! So yeah, we're not you're, we're you're not going way back. Man. We're not the oop de oop trickeration team that we see for a lot of places. But man, it was a great call at the right time. Um, I, I heard a quote from uh, from Cook who said that they ran that play every day in practice. I don't know if you heard this I too. Did, yep. And that Milton jacked it up every time, and he never completed the pass. And then the, Kirby made the call, and they're like, oh, shit. You know, and sure enough, that's, it, it worked out. So Right. So that opened up the debate for our buddy Sean. Who's better at quarterback? Should we have Stetson or Kenny McIntosh? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. Actually, let's go ahead. I mean, is the, is the Stetson-JT um, – I mean, there's no talk of that now leading up to the National Championship game. Like, the idea of, of JT playing um, is only going to happen if Stetson gets hurt, right? I think that's right. Um I mean, Stetson was the Orange Bowl MVP, threw for over 300 yards, dominated the first half. I mean, I think you could say, you know, if we're going to get super critical here, there was a pass to Brock Bowers on the first drive that was a little bit behind him. There was a pass to Darnell Washington that was a little bit behind him, but also ended up sending a uh, Michigan player to the sidelines. Um, And then at the very end, after the Kendrick interception, you know, Stetson kind of mismanaged some of that you know, one-minute drill. Yeah, that's. I think you are being super critical. But other, yeah, other than that, He's the guy. He's the guy. He's going to be the guy. He, you know, I took a picture. <laughs> I took a picture of him. Orange Bowl MVP. You know, sent it out to all the people that, that are questioning him. Um, I mean, we're rolling with him. That's how that's, that's how it's going to be. I mean, nothing's going to change other than him getting hurt or him so getting COVID I, or something. I, I mean, maybe, maybe in this worst case scenario, if Stetson comes out in the first half and he's like three of 12 for 31 yards and we're down 14. 14 or two scores, whatever. I mean, maybe does Kirby 
then pull the trigger. Who knows? He hasn't been shown. He hasn't shown that he's going to make that decision in the past. I don't think he's going to make it now. So we're going to talk a lot about the Alabama game, but I do want to mention that the way that the way that Munkin approached the offensive game plan against Michigan, I'd like to see them do the same thing with Alabama. It was very. It was get the ball out of the hands quick. Use the running running game. Um, you know, quick moves and just picking up three five yards and not getting behind the sticks. And, you know, that's the kind of game that Stetson is, is best that's at. Right. He's not going to, you know, if we're behind by two scores against anybody, like, he's not the guy. So that's right. hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that's a similar game plan. Um, I still think that, that the defense is what's going to control. And I thought that the defense, you know, they got called out after that Alabama game. And my God, they, they showed up, right? I mean, that last touchdown was really shouldn't even count as a touchdown. It, they, they held them essentially scoreless. I mean, they, we three points, right? Three points until the garbage time, and I don't even know who number 24 is on our roster, but he was the one who got beat on that last touchdown with three minutes left. Uh, but that was the defense that we've been watching all year that we fell in love with, right? Jalen Carter, uh, Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis, they were in the backfield all day. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know when your first episode, we had Jason Gans on, he said Nicobe Dean is Roquan 2.0. I mean, he's correct, like – copy and paste Roquan and, and put him in a 17 jersey. No, the announcers, by the way, were just gushing over Roquan. You didn't hear it, but they were just gushing. That guy's football IQ is insane. Like, I went back and watched some replays, and the way that he saw a man-to-man defense, and he trailed a wide receiver, you know, cutting across the field, and he smoked that guy out, running 40 yards, sideline to sideline. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. This is a dumb question, but what year is he? Uh, he's a junior. So he's gone. Yeah, for Horn Lake, Mississippi. He's, so he's I think gone. he's going to be gone. He's yeah. going to be a first-round pick, right? As he should be. Yeah, good good, yeah, good for him. Now, um, they had two big defensive players, Hutchinson and Ola. Ola Ojab- Ojabe, Ola, yeah. I don't know how to pronounce it, but H- he, uh, he declared yesterday he's going pro. Oh, is he? Well, they were saying he should come back and get some more reps, but whatever. That's his deal. Um, <laughs> Hutchinson is going to be the number one pick. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, and maybe. But yeah, he'll, he'll be, be top, top five. Pick. That's right. And – how many times they call his name? Um, I believe he had one tackle for loss, which was on a screen pass over to Bowers. Um, and I talked to Sean, a friend Sean, uh, before the game, and I said, we can talk about all you want, with Stetson, this, that, and the other. I said, my, my personal key to the game and of us dominating the, or dominating winning the Orange Bowl was on number 69, Jamari Sawyer. Right? Mm-hmm. I said, this guy has an opportunity today to play himself and to be a high-round high draft pick. And I've seen over and over the replay of him pancaking uh, Hutchinson pretty much made him a non-factor that vaunted Michigan defense that they were saying was as good as our defense. I mean, so the same thing has to happen with against Alabama. Yeah. Like I mean, Will, and, Will Anderson has got to be taken out of the game and right. you do that with the, the game plan we're talking about, which is these short kind of hits. Don't give them time to get to Stetson, establish the running game. I think it's a great formula. I agree. Agree completely. So Jordan Davis, we've got to talk about him. Um, everybody loves Jordan Davis. You especially love Jordan. I feel like you, you might've been an, a very early, um, adapter or adopter whatever the right word is of jordan davis you got the jersey you got to personalize to your nickname we've been calling you big layer i think Stuart nelson started that 20 plus years ago uh you're a big fella you know so 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 jordan davis is your guy i got a soft spot in my heart for the big guys right i remember when we signed jordan davis um you know i'm not like super into the recruiting stuff with some of our other friends but i did see you know when we signed jordan davis and i was like man we got like a 375 pound kid three star out of uh, out of north carolina and um all you heard from kirby from day one was this guy's just got to control his weight and he's going to be a force and he i mean he played early he played often and 
you know, everyone has their like inside sources of who they know on the team and whatnot. I don't have any of those sources. I just hear from what I hear, but everything that I hear about him, not only is he, you know, a beast on the line, he's a good guy. Like he helps the, uh, you know, all the, all the assistants on the team and the trainers and the ball boys and everyone else. Like he's just a good dude. Like he's hard to not root for. Yeah. He needs a, He needs to have a similar game against Alabama. He, he bounced back. He got some yeah. flack, rightly so, after the SEC now. Now you were all of us. All of us, frankly, all of our friends have a pretty strict um, jersey policy. <laughs> wearing the jersey of another grown man, yeah. especially somebody who's twenty years are you know younger than us. You lifted that policy. You bought I yourself. Lift, I, I broke the policy. So, so I kind of follow like three main policies in life, right? And I think we can most of us agree to these, right? If you're gonna bow ties are meant for tuxedos only, right? If you got, like, I agree. I don't. Right? I'm not a bow tie guy. If you're gonna be the bow tie guy, you gotta wear. You gotta commit to it, and you gotta wear a bow tie for everything. But I firmly believe bow. So tie. either you're uh, you're all time bow tie guy, bow or only, only bow tie with tuxedos. That's correct. Okay, I can I can get aboard that. Second, I know this is random, but if you are a healthy and capable individual, your laptop bag should not be on wheels, right? You should get the strap over get the, the the strap backpack. I'm fine with that. What Even if, the if, backpack and the suit, I'm good with, right? What if you have a carry-on bag that's got a laptop like, placed for your laptop? You, you, you just don't want the dedicated... Dedicated role. laptop bag on wheels is a no-no, in my opinion, right? That comes from a, a career and uh, traveling for, for, for work, right? Uh, and the second is, or the third, third. is, the third is, um, you know, a grown man shouldn't wear another man's name on his back, but... And, unless you want to, it sounds unless, like. Unless, you're right, so... I just, I mean, I'm a big fan of Jordan Davis. I was watching the uh, the Georgia Florida game this year with my buddy Jacob Brinson. He he lifted the same policy. He bought himself a McConkie jersey, right? And so we were passing. Around. I was watching it with That's his awesome. with his son Jack and my son Sam, and we were passing around the jersey for good luck. And uh, you know, one thing led to another. A couple of Topo Chicos and vodkas. A couple of Tropicalias later, and next thing you know, I'm on GeorgiaDogs.com, and I'm like. I got to get myself. And you a, get it personalized. I got to get myself a '99 jersey. You know they won't let you order Davis on the back, even um, with, the, even with the, the NIL. The Georgia Dogs wouldn't let me. Maybe I was on the wrong site. I don't know. Uh, so yeah, I got it. Uh, it says Big Larry on the back. It matches my uh, my email address from when I matriculated at the University of Georgia. If you remember the old oh, yeah arches arches arches.uga.edu. Uh, goodness, did we know what email was back then? Yeah, that's that's great. So I would add one more to your list off the top of my head. Um, you can't wear the iPhone on your hip, right? You can't have you can't have that clip. Yeah, that kind of goes along the line of you can't wear the shirt of the band you're going to see in concert. Type. So you know, that's, good. Uh, you know, so gold, good. So, golden rules for everybody. So you, so you mentioned that you you have a soft spot for the for, for the big fellas, and and I know that you're you're being honest when you say that because you always love Shaq. You always like the big guys. What's your like? I don't know. Top two to three. You know, big fellas. Well, I mean, back to your theme from episode two, right? The Mount, you had the Mount Rushmore sporting events. Like, let's talk Mount Rushmore of the big fellas, right? I like how you're weaving in prior conversations. And I, thank thank I, you for listening. I'm an award-winning listener, bro. <laughs> you know, it's a, you, you got to have your fans. Um, Shaq, you mentioned. I mean, he's he's front center, right? He's the lead. Um, Andre the Giant, you know. Uh, Did always like Andre the, the Giant. Giant. He's he's a classic. His HBO special was quite amazing. What, what about him and Princess Bride? Uh, uh, I mean, um, he is the brute squad. Yeah. Great. I mean, Andre, the giant was the largest individual I think ever. If you've seen videos, of him holding a or picture of him holding a beer can. I was going to say, if, if you want to have some fun, go Google like Andre the giant beer yeah. and some of the yeah. stories that will pop up about his consumption and wine. He's from, from France, right? Or, uh, from France. Yeah. From France. Yeah. Like some, some of the stories of like his consumption are, are 
next level, but go, go ahead. Yeah, there's great stories. There was, a, I think I listened early on in the podcast game. I listened to a podcast with Joe Rogan interviewing, uh, it was either Jake the Snake Roberts or Diamond Dallas Page, one of those old school wrestler guys. And they told stories about Andre the Giant and the things that he would do in the locker room to torture some of these wrestlers. I mean, it, it's outstanding. So Who's going to mess with them? I got, I got Shaq, I got Andre the Giant, um, other big fellows, and I, you know, I'm probably missing a few, but I always was a big fan of the bust, Jerome Bettis. I think he's now a local Atlanta guy, big dude running back. Um, and then, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up my dad, right? Oh, he was perfect. also another Andre the perfect. Giant and a big fellow that was larger than perfect. life. Perfect. No, I would agree with that. Your dad was larger than life. And I, 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 I do want to talk about him now that you brought him up because he's such an interesting fellow. But before we get there, I, I, and I don't want to forget Andre the Giant either because we talk a lot, you, me, and I shouldn't say a lot. I shouldn't say a lot. But if there's ever a wrestling topic that comes up, we, we kind of talk about it. So Andre the Giant was somebody I always liked. My favorite wrestler was Undertaker. I always liked Undertaker. I always loved Paul Bear. I loved the whole, the whole scene. Uh, my brother, he liked Macho Man, who I also liked. That was the, the age, the era that we were, we were into. My cousin Jared, Brett the Hitman Hart. He loved him. The excellence yeah. of execution. The excellence yeah, of execution. Right. So that that was the the era, you know, that um, you know, that we watched. Um, I don't go down the YouTube rabbit hole that often, but if I get like a Macho Man uh, video pulled up somehow, and he's inter- getting interviewed by, you know, who's it? Uh, mean Mean Gene. Mean Gene. Yeah. He starts doing his, you know what, brother? And I'm like, I can't get enough of it. Um, I'll start going buying Slim Jims and stuff because I just can't get enough of it. That's good stuff. The Macho Man, I mean, he, I think he's my all-time favorite. I mean, as you know, um, a couple Halloweens ago, I actually put on the uh, plastic Macho Man costume, and uh, my wife, Lindsay, dressed up as Miss Elizabeth. And you fought Hulk Hogan. And so, yeah, some crazy dude dressed in a Hulk Hogan costume tried to take, uh, take me to some tables, ladders, and chairs. So I, my, my son, Graham, is for a minute got into wrestling, and that got me back into uh-huh. it. And so we watched, I think it was... Was it Royal Rumble? Yeah, Royal Rumble. And yeah, they had those like matches beforehand. And I don't remember who it was. It might have been like Roman Reigns or Drew McIntyre, one of those guys. But they've gone next level with the type of wrestling they do now. It is it is out of the ring. It's in the back. Mm-hmm. It's they're jumping off pieces of machinery. I mean, how these dudes don't like severely, severely injure themselves. Well, that, that's how I'll, we, I'll never know. That's how we end up playing the game, uh, professional wrestler, dead or alive. Right? You know, I think the average lifespan of a professional wrestler is like forty. It's a fifty-fifty um, guess. I mean, it's wild. It's a fifty-fifty. I mean, there's some guys we know, but anyway, this is we. I, I, we could talk about wrestling for a long time, but about your dad, like, like I, he he passed away a little two, while uh, ago. two and a half years ago. Yeah, two thousand nineteen. Um, if you don't mind, like his story is one that is just. I mean, it, it's one of a kind. And since we, since you brought him up, if you feel okay, maybe just talk a little about who he was and, and what he went through in his life. Because I just, I mean, people need to hear it. Yeah, no, I, mean, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to talk about it because I believe that his story is something that we need to carry on because uh, he was considered both a Holocaust survivor and a child of a Holocaust survivor. Um, and as we sit here now in 2022, freshly minted 2022, there's not a lot of those people left. And so there's stories... Um, you know, when those people pass away, their stories go with them. Um, so my dad, uh, he came to the United States. He was born in Bucharest, Romania. He came to the United States in, um, 1951. He was 11 years old. Um, and between 1940 and 1951, he was bouncing around. He was in hiding. Um, and essentially with my grandfather was captured and put into a labor camp. And my grandmother, (coughs) 
worked her magic and was able to keep my dad safe. And they came to the United States in 1951 and really started a new life. They had some family here, um, lived in Queens and he came down to Atlanta in around 1960, 1963, um, and lived here until he passed away. But one of the things that he did, um, as he got older, as he spent a lot of time volunteering his time to speak to schools, churches, synagogues, you name it. And he would tell his story. Um, and it's, I mean, it's a really interesting story, not just being a Holocaust survivor, but how do you come to America, not speaking a word of English and then being able to build a life and build a family. Um, and so, you know, I appreciate what he did. I always sit here and think, you know, is that something that I should take on? I don't think I have the capability to really effectively tell a story, but we're fortunate though is, um, and I don't know what year this was recorded, but somebody did record him speaking. It's out on YouTube. So it's going to be forever memorialized on the interwebs. Um, so if you if you Google Andre Kessler Holocaust, I think it's a seven part series out there. Um, and for some of the listeners at home, maybe we could just put that link. Yeah, in, I was gonna I was gonna tell I was gonna say I'm glad you brought that up because that's I've taught your dad you know decent amount of, or did decent amount of times and heard him speak a few times. So I went back and watched that whole seven part series. It's yeah. it's incredible. Your dad has such a his personality was amazing, larger than life. I'll drop it in there because yeah. people people needed to see it. Um, or need, need to watch, listen to it. Well, thanks for sharing. I mean, and I'll tell you what, though, I think he he would really appreciate this podcast. I mean, I think po- he was not a podcast guy. I think it was the technology was past him. Uh, but man, he if he had a microphone and a couple hours, he kill, wouldn't stop talking. Uh, he wouldn't stop talking. He was at, always at your, one, at your wedding. You know, give him the mic. So what was his line? The Romanian soup bone and the Hungarian. What was it? Yeah. The, so uh, you know, for my friends that acted up, he would always threaten them. He would say, uh, if you don't if you don't behave yourself. I'm going to give you the Romanian soup bone, which was the left fist, and the the Hungarian meat hook, uh, which was the right paw. So, I've stolen uh, that from him. I also stole from him. Sometimes you're the pigeon, and sometimes you're the statue. That's right. And I've used that with my kids. I've used that at work. I think that it, it just makes a lot of sense. So uh, anyway, shout out to him and your mom and your family. Thank you for sharing that. I mean, talk about some... You know, the, the, the podcast can go so many different directions, right? We That's can right. talk about wrestlers. We can memorialize your dad, talk about football. Hey, we could sit here and drink screwdrivers all day long, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, moving on or ch- switching gears a little bit to the cotton ball, because I do want to talk about you know, Alabama. Um, you didn't get a chance to watch any of it. I watched very little. You know, we were in transit. They did have it on. So they had it on the game day set up behind me, and then they had it broadcasting outside the stadium. But we were, you know, I was too busy bouncing around, um, having a few high noons, having a couple of Bud Lights, trying to pour drinks, manage the kids. So I did. I watched the first half. I watched it over at our friend Bo Patel's house. Um, Andrew Bell was over there. We had a, Bo's got a beautiful new basement. Shout out to to his basement. It's awesome. It, It played out exactly the way I think everybody expected, right? I mean, Alabama was the better team. They're more talented. That game was also, for all intents and purposes, over in the first quarter. Um, But I don't. I don't think Cincinnati necessarily embarrassed themselves. I don't think that they, you know, didn't belong to be there. I think they were just outclassed. And and, and what you know, what the weekend or what that day showed was that the two, you know, best teams are Georgia and Alabama, and they're you know head and shoulders better than the rest. So I think me and you have discussed, and, and we all kind of agree that the committee got it right with the four. Um, but do you think that? Do you feel differently than me that the power that, that a non-power five team is now worse off because Cincinnati didn't, you know, didn't hold close to Alabama? You know, I don't. Um, I I don't think that's the case. But I can go a couple different ways on that. However, the outcome of that game wasn't much different than the outcome of probably ninety percent of these college football playoff games since this process started eight years ago. 
most of those games have been blowouts. I think the only close game was the Georgia-Oklahoma game in 2017. They're, they're typically a blowout, and it typically ends up with the two correct teams in the finals, right? Now, that being said, I am still a, a fan and support the movement to playoff expansion because right now the bowl games... Oh, I disagree are, with you on that. I do see, not want expansion. See, I think the bowl games are useless, and I think the only way to make them more interesting is to give more teams a shot. So let's just say you expand it to 8-12 teams... Those first couple rounds are going to be really interesting, but I still think, you know, barring major injury, you're still going to end up with the two best teams in the championship. That's right. I mean, I, okay. I mean, I, I, I see your point, but arguing over eight and th- yeah, eight and four teams, nine and whatever, I'm not into it. But, but the one thing that I do want to get your take on is, you know, the Big Ten, God bless them, like the narrative just keeps, you know, keeps rearing its, its head. They had another bad showing as an SEC team, like, what what happens? I mean, Big Ten country, they just got to revamp what they're doing or they're never going to never gonna compete. It's about the Jimmys and Joes, man. No one recruits at the level that the Georgias and Alabamas do. I mean, you could make an argument that Ohio State did, and I, I kind of think that had we played Ohio State, they're probably the only other team besides Alabama that gives us a matchup problem. They had a lot of speed with their wide receivers. They have a quarterback who can sling it, very reminiscent of Bryce Young. Um, but you know what you, what you heard from the Michigan fans before and after is like, this Georgia roster's got 20-something five-stars. We have two, right? It's you know, We just have more talent. Yeah, they can't keep up. But who, I mean, who wants to go play in the cold anyway? Yeah, well, well actually, that brings a good point. Good segue. You're very good at this. <laughs> the, the National Championship game is in Indianapolis. We'll talk about your feelings about the city in a minute. But um, I, I – yeah, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday – I cannot wait. My productivity at work has not been great the last couple of days with, with figuring out logistics, but here, here's where we're at in terms of, of logistics. So, of course, it's in Indianapolis, which has proven to be a hard place to get to because Delta doesn't have any flights. They've jacked up the prices, done all of that, um, as they always seem to do. So we are leaving Sunday, flying into Louisville. We're staying in Louisville. We are going to, you know, treat ourselves to the the bourbon that that, that <laughs> the nicest the, Applebee's the, Louisville has the, to the, that Louisville has to offer. Um, we are going to drive up to Indianapolis uh, Monday morning. Myself and Jason Gans and Sean Traub, you're going to meet us in Indianapolis, and we've got a, a the day is is set up. Um, we've got a tailgate that is that is locked and loaded. Um, I was fortunate enough to to get involved in a group that's sponsoring a tailgate at Stadium Tavern with some friends of ours. Um, Icon Source, which is a really neat company, Paystead and and Drew Butler and those guys, um, they're on the forefront of this whole NIL stuff, um, linking athletes and and sponsors together. And then his friend Reese, or his friend, our friend Reese, his brother, who's got a a great company, uh, Forest Street. They deal with RVs and, and a lot of commercial real estate stuff. Mm-hmm. And then our friend Tom Ludlam, uh, the best granola in the, in, in the game. I mean, the best man. Tom, Tom's nuts are, you know, are the best. <laughs> um, what is your favorite brand of his granola, by the way? Uh, so, you know, I've, I've got, if I've, he's got three flavors, the cranberry, the honey, sea salt, and the cinnamon pecan. I started as a cinnamon, cinnamon pecan fan. 
And now I'm a cranberry guy. I'm a cranberry guy too, for reasons that are different than the, the, Graham's got a nut allergy. Uh-huh. So we can't, we can't have the pecans, but I, it's the best girl in the game. So, and then, and then Red Bull. Hey, yeah. maybe, maybe you can get a uh, hashtag sports and torts uh, coupon code for the next, <laughs> the yes. next OBX order. Are you listening, Tom? Let's do that. Uh, and then Red Bull is the other sponsor. So that's, that's going to be fun. Red Bulls and vodkas for days. But anyway, we're doing that. And then um, there's some other you know, alumni stuff that's going on that we're going to try to hit. And then, you know, the game is at eight, uh, you know, got tickets. Um, you know, I think that, that it's going to be probably more Georgia fans and Alabama fans there. That's just kind of my take from looking at the secondary market and just from talking. I don't think it's going to be an overwhelming kind of spread, but um, what, what is, you know, what is your headspace going into this rematch against big, bad nemesis Alabama? We in the, we in the trust tree here? So between you, me, and, and the millions and millions of the sports and torts listeners at home, I am not in a very good headspace for Uh-oh. this game. Uh-oh. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. You're a uh, positive guy. I am a positive guy. Uh, however, you were in the building with me in January 2018 uh, for the second and 26 game. Um, you were in the building with me back in 2012 when, uh, when we lost the, the SEC championship game against uh, Alabama with Aaron Murray at quarterback. I don't think you were at the the SEC championship game after the national championship game when we lost with the Jalen Hurts comeback. And since then, we've lost two games with Stetson Bennett at the helm by the exact same score. So the averages have got to swing in our favor. I I get it. How's that for the counterpoint? So I am not in a good headspace. However, I am still planning to go to Indy. I'm still planning on pulling for my dogs. And if I really want to try to rationalize this in some sort of crazy in the end around way, right? You talk about the, the, the group of five teams that got in and I'm going all conspiracy theory here, right? Like maybe just maybe Kirby was like, even if we beat Alabama in the sec championship game, Alabama's getting that fourth spot. And I'm gonna have to play him twice, no matter what kind of with you on that. I kind of think that maybe he approached it a little differently, maybe kept a few, you know, bullets in the gun, um, knowing that it was going to be a rematch either way. And, you know, knowing that, it's really damn hard to beat a team twice in a year. And it's even harder to beat a team in this twice in the span of like 30 days. Right. Um, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to think about similar instances. And the only one that came to my mind was also involving Alabama with LSU about 10 years ago, LSU beat Alabama in the regular season. Mm -hmm. And then Alabama came back and beat them in the, for, for it all. That's right. Even in the NFL, they talk about how hard it is to beat these teams twice in a division. So I'm holding my hat onto that. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm saying that, you know, beating, beating a team that, let's be honest, like I think even Alabama fans would say that Georgia has more talent. The roster is, is probably better, less injuries. Should, should on paper beat Alabama. And so if, if Alabama can beat Georgia twice in a month with a team that on paper is probably not as talented, I mean, tip of the hat, to Saban, and it's like we, we might never get there, but um, if, if if Kirby can't win under these circumstances, that's going to be a tough pill to swallow. Hey, I think it's kind of now or never, right? Until Saban leaves. Um, but to to your point about the rematches within the season, you know, as I'm trying to improve my headspace to get prepared for Monday, and I, by the way, I do think we're going to win. I'm just like very anxious about we it. Need you some some meditations or something to get right. <laughs> remind- I don't need you to be negative about this. No, no, no. We'll be good. I'm just. Tr- I gotta. I need some. I need some decompression time. Right. 
Um, it reminds me potentially a little bit of Auburn, Georgia, 2017. We went, their ass we went down time. to Auburn. They beat the shit out of us. Um, family show. Uh, we came back and, and, and pretty much took care of business in the SEC championship game. Um, and so I'm hopeful that that's the case. Um, you know, other recent matchups, I think Oregon, Utah earlier this year, Utah took Oregon, you know, just beat them pretty bad in the regular season. Then they had a rematch in the Pac-12 championship and once again, beat them pretty bad. So that's not a good precedent. But when you look at the, the other big games, right, there's the LSU Alabama from the BCS era. I believe there was a Florida, Florida state matchup back under Spurrier that Florida State won the regular yeah, season. You're going Florida pretty way back. I'm thinking, just, I'm thinking more more recently, but you're right. I mean, yep. that, that, that's not wrong. I just I just think that playing another team this close in time. So 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 Saban versus Kirby. Will, will, yeah, poor, poor Kirby has to answer this question every day, and I think today his answer was, you know, this isn't me versus Nick. This is Alabama versus Georgia. But of course, that's the question that's going to be asked. Um, I don't know. I mean, how, how, how do you do the tail of the tape? Between yeah, the, two of them the, right now? the the best analogy that I can make right now about the Kirby versus Saban argument is that um, Kirby's brain is Montana, and uh, and Saban is John Dutton. For all those Yellowstone fans at home, he owns <laughs> That's pretty good. He owns, is, he owns all the real estate. You, you had me on pins and needles in Montana. Yeah. I'm like, where's yeah. he going with this? I'm yeah. like, the only place that I can think of is something with you know Yellowstone. So yeah. so 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 what you're saying is Dutton, who owns you know, the entire state of Montana. I think it's a good, good analogy. Owns- by the way, by the way, Rip is the best character in the last 20 years on TV. Hey, how do we Pr- get him? T- t- tell me I'm wrong. How do we get him to do a cameo firing up the Georgia fans going in? How do we get him to come to the, to the <laughs> game and do it? So we watch that show. We're not, we're not all the way caught up yet, but it's, it's me and Dana. We watch it. You know, it's our nightly show. I would love to think I would be successful in like the bunkhouse as a cowboy. I wouldn't last two days. Nah, man, we're we're soft uh, suburban boys, man. I don't know. I don't know how well we'd last. I wouldn't last two days, um, but I I sure like to think that I. I think what the that show is they always have like the California guy who moves out, pays a ton of money for this ranch, and you know trying to be all you know Montana ish, and then he just somewhere or the other either the the you know rainwater or yeah. Dunton, they just smack them around like you have no business being here. here here's how we succeed in the bunkhouse it comes down to us our ability to drink alcohol um i think we're hall of famers in that realm and i think we'd be able to hang with the booze consumption with those boys yeah but the the, the cards they play be hard to keep up the waking up and um i can't ride a horse <laughs> Let's be honest. Just, I mean, just hang back. I, I the beer, can't. The beer full. I, 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 I can't. I can't use a rope and lasso cattle. I can't do any. I can't. I can't build the fences they build. That's why you're the best PI attorney in Atlanta. I'm, st- I'm, st- I'm sticking to. I'm sticking to the PI game. That's and right. I moved to Montana, uh, which would be great. I'm, I'm going to just continue to do that. So, um, <laughs> I like that analogy. So, what what changes do you think Georgia has to make to have this game play out differently? Yeah. Um, SEC championship game. And, you know, to be quite honest, um, in not very typical fashion, like my weekend, that weekend was crazy. Like we had a kid's soccer tournament and other family obligations. So I was started by listening to it in the car. I got home. I watched most of the first half, a little bit of the second half, uh, at home. And then I had to go out and I caught the end of it at a hotel bar TV, but that was right as uh, Stetson threw a pick six, which essentially sealed the game. Um, but what I, what my takeaway from that game is we got absolutely zero pressure on Bryce. That's right. That's right. You know, Alabama, you know, with the rat poison with Nick Saban, they played their absolute best game of the season, hands down. And we put our worst. We need to, we need to get pressure on Bryce Young. We need to, we need to knock him on his rear end. 
Um, we need to we need to win the turnover battle, and um, and we need to protect the yeah, we need to protect the football. It comes down to Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to Bryce Young. Like we've got to get him off the spot. If if I see him run on third and eight for a first down again, I'm going to lose my mind. But I, I understand how it's hard to scheme against that. Um, I think that we we have to keep them out of third and shorts. Mm-hmm. We have to keep ourselves out of third and longs. We've got to keep it plus minus a possession. We can't fall behind and abandon the game plan. And the defense has to just play the game that we know they can play, right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. And you made you made a comment earlier about the Munkin and his aggressive game plan in the Orange, in the orange Bowl. I think we, we need to keep with an aggressive game plan. And if we get the lead, we need to keep our foot on the gas. If you look at um, you know some of our games in the past, we kind of go into a pre-event offense. Even in the Orange Bowl, the second half, we went into the pre-event offense, which turned the second half into being like a very boring half and sloppy half of football. We need to not get out of our game once we get the lead. That's a perfect point. I mean, in the game against Alabama that we have, some of the ones we've lost, been ahead. Like now championship game, we were up what, 13, nothing at the half. The other games, we were up twenty-eight something, and like you said, we just kind of get we get too um, we just lose our aggressiveness, and they just seem to come back. So anyway, what what is your? I haven't asked you this yet. What is your prediction, or are you there yet? Yeah. Do, do, do you have a, do you have a prediction of the game? I do. Um, as you know, I like to. Uh, I'm in a lot of football pools. I like to gamble a little bit, and I always try to take off my my red and black, my UGA gear when I look at a point spread when it pertains to a game, right? I'm Joe Public. I go and I look at the point spread for this game and I see that Alabama is getting three points against Georgia, All a over team Alabama. that I dominated. Yeah. I'm like, back up the Brinks truck. You know, 401k on you know, Alabama. 401k, cash in all my Bitcoin. I don't have any Bitcoin, but cash it all in. How do you even get that? I don't what, know. what are those little gold coins? Yeah, uh, the, uh, uh, the Turtles tokens? No, 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 no. The, one, the ones that, um, oh God. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. I would say coup, coup grants. The coup, coup grants. Grant, yeah. <laughs> back it back it all up. Bet the house. I mean, Bama getting points in a championship game, Saban versus Kirby. That's a no-brainer. That's it's free money, right? So what does that mean? That, I mean, means. that means, and I said the same thing before the Orange Bowl. I said the only thing that makes me think that Georgia's really going to dominate them is that the public's on Michigan getting seven and a half. We went out, we dominated. Now, I don't know – if anyone can dominate Alabama, like when was the last time that actually happened that Bama got blown out? Never. Era. So I am not by any stretch of imagination calling a blowout. Uh, but I think we're looking at maybe a 27-24 Georgia win and cover. And hits the under. I'm close. I'm close on all of those things. And we did not we did not discuss it beforehand. I don't like the idea of this game getting to 30 by either team. Um, I think that the game lives somewhere in the 20s. I think it comes down to the very, very end. I think that we all have heart attacks in that stadium. I think that Georgia's going to win because they have to win. <laughs> because, because I'll just tell you right now, like this is probably the last time I'm gonna I'm gonna go through the fire drill of trying to get to one of these games if Georgia doesn't win this one. Because we have we've done this time and time and time again, and we have a great time. We've come up with some good traditions, which that's actually a, a, a might be a good thing to talk about next. Um, you know, but. We just have to win this game. I mean, just period, end of story. I don't know how else to say it. And so because I believe that has to happen, I'm saying Georgia 24, Alabama 23, and we all chew off every fingernail we have and lose lives and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's similar to the Braves run this past fall, right? This we got to kill the narrative, right? I sent, is, it's now or never. Sorry to talk over you. I sent a text message to some friends after the, the, the Michigan game, and I think the word I used was symmetry. The symmetry that I expect to happen – 
between Georgia finally beating Alabama after the Braves just beat the Dodgers is perfect. Mm -hmm. I can ride off in the sunset. I've got my championships, got my two parades, and I'm good. Now, a year from now, when I'm looking for more, you can remind me I said this, but I think this, the symmetry is the word I'm going with. So, so Georgia wins. So speaking of traditions, yeah. we have come up with a few things along the way. Um, one tradition, I think, is the reason why Georgia lost to Alabama. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, the, in the last national championship game, 2017. What a little, happened? A little tradition we like to call shirtless overtime. Shirtless um, overtime. Yeah, so... How was how, how yeah. that board? Let me set the stage here, right? So uh, 2004, I believe, wow. Cit- Citrus Bowl. Uh, we played Purdue. Uh, Purdue, I think, was led by Kyle Orton. It was right after... Was Drew Brees? I think Drew Brees was gone. I think it was Kyle Orton. We had, like, the running back, three-headed monster, uh, Thomas Brown, Danny Ware, and Craig Lumpkin. Uh, you, me, Sean... Y'all's uh, girlfriends, fiancés yeah, at the, the time. Yeah, the wives were there. Uh, right. Now, I had just started dating Lindsay. She was actually home with the flu, and she's like, "Yo, I'm fine, go. And I was like, okay, I went. Turns out that's that not what she meant. But whatever, it all worked out in the end. Um, so, you know, we Whenever went, they say go, they don't yeah, go. Yeah, we, we tailgated. Uh, we, we ate some tacos. We had a good time. We rolled into the stadium, and we're like, oh, this is great. They sell beer in the, in the stadium during a bowl game, so... Once again, that's another plus for actually traveling to the bowl it was game. Like eighty-five degrees, of yeah. course, in Orlando. So this game, and I don't—I mean, I—I I don't recall all of the details of the game, other than it got to overtime, and I think we all kind of like sat around, stared at each other, and we're like, "It's overtime. We should take our shirts off." Shirts off. Yeah, the whole so, section. Yeah, sun, whole sun, section. Take your shirts off. Section. Suns out, guns out. So since then, you know, anytime there's an overtime, we we've we, gone shirtless. We were able to. Yeah, we were able to for some reason. I don't know why we, the game. You said tied up and went to overtime. We're like the logical thing to do to make sure Georgia wins this game is for section one twenty five. Actually, might have been three. Yeah, we were probably, probably, yeah. probably, probably four twenty five <laughs> yeah. back then. Whatever. I was like, hey, everybody, take your shirts off and we'll win this game. And and we had some followers, and so and so we did win shirtless. And since then, as we always say, like rules are rules. Like if you go to overtime. Georgia overtime, like shirts coming off. That's right. We've been in bars, we've been in parties with mixed crowds. Um, rules are rules, except for one time. <laughs> the one time we forgot was Georgia Bama, uh, and we didn't even realize it till the next day. It, yeah, I mean, we, and we sat there like we. I mean, we knew we were wrong. We were so that that whole thing happened so fast. Overtime came so fast. Tua had that pass so fast, and we just flat out forgot. So. I, I guess we need to, we need to kind of own part of that loss on us, but short, shortless overtime is great. My, so hand raise on me. On me. Um, the other one is is rolling chains, and that's that spread pretty good. So rolling change, I'll I'll start with that because my dad taught me that. Um, he went to he went to Falcons games as, as a young as a young 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 kid with his dad and his his brother, and there was a guy who sat in their section, and I don't remember his name. My dad would, and he wore this like headband. And he was crazy back then. And every and the Falcons sucked back then. They suck, they still suck now, but <laughs> they sucked back then. So them getting a first down was like reasons to cheer because they sure as hell weren't scoring touchdowns and they also weren't winning games. And so every time they'd get a they'd get a first down, he'd stand up, he'd lead the whole section in a roll them chains, roll them chains, roll them chains, which, which is essentially taking the first down marker and moving it down 10 That's yards. Right. And so when, when we graduated from Georgia, you got season tickets mm-hmm. in section 117. Section 117, yeah. And, and I don't know if it was you or me or whatever, we started doing that. And 
after a couple games, the whole section was rolling chains. Yeah, so rolling chains is hilarious because we've not only taken it from section one. So I guess started getting season tickets in two thousand and one. Section one seventeen. Haven't moved them since. Made some great friends in the area, and everybody in that section rolls chains. We've gone to Georgia Tech. We've rolled chains. We've gone to the Citrus Bowl. We've rolled chains. We've gone to bowl games. We've rolled chains, and we typically we get some weird looks. But after a couple times, people, people, want people it. get it. People, Everyone's pe- like, people want it. I think you ran into a dude at the gym, and he's like, you're the roll them chains guy. So let, let me take a quick story. Yes, I did. We were at the tech game. Random people rolling chains. I'm sitting in the steam room at Lifetime. You know, I'm, I, I, I enjoy steam. And and this guy's looking at me, and I'm looking at him. And uh, I can tell he like kind of thinks he knows me. And I don't, I don't, I'm like, he goes, hey, man, I got a question for you. He's like, were you at the Georgia Tech game? Last week with like three or four guys. I'm like, yeah. He's like, were you the, were y'all the guys that were rolling chains? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh man, that's awesome. We're rolling chains now too. So, so but w- one thing that has even made like rolling chains, not just fun, but actually special. Um, since we've been in 117, as I said, I've had those seats there for 21 years now um, and made a lot of good friends. There's a family that I used to sit next to, the Goins family from Burke County, Georgia. And they had a, a, a son who I guess when we had those seats was five, six years old, right? Like, yeah. I mean, he was a baby. We would just like torture him. We'd shake him. We'd rub his head. We'd get he was at every chains. game. Um, and him and he, he loved rolling chains and his dad got into it and they loved it to death. Um, unfortunately in 2010, it was June, 2010, I got a phone call one day and he had passed away. He was 15 years old. Um, he had been working out for baseball, trying to cut weight and had a heart issue and he passed away. Uh, it was heartbreaking. It was devastating. I mean, the whole thing, his dad installed a commemorative brick at Sanford stadium that has his name, Brant Goins on it, roll them chains. And so throughout the year, every football season, you know, Rod, his dad and I, we text back and forth, rolling chains. I actually sent him a video of me and Sammy rolling chains down in that's Miami. So cool, yeah. Um, I remember and so, that. I mean, to me, that's it's 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 a cool tradition. It's fun, uh, but you know, it's gone above that, right? Like that's one of those things that you know, it's it's a small tradition for our group of friends, but we got people that we've that it's it's things like that that make college football just so special. I mean, you know, some people might listen to this and say, how how can you guys get so into a football game? How can you guys get so into a sporting event that in the game of things doesn't really affect your life? Like you still got your job to go to, you still got to pay your mortgage, hit your kid's health and your, your, your spouse health is most important. We get all that, but the relationships that are forged because of, Something like a football game, you can't beat them. You would never know that family. I mean, it, it's, it's right. And even then, like going down to the Orange Bowl, you sit in the Georgia section, and by the time you leave there, you got five new best friends. Yeah. I mean, my wife made two best friends. The person sitting in front of her is in real estate, like my wife is, and they knew each other, and you know, they're high fiving and hugging. And my wife doesn't give two squats about college football. <laughs> it's true. And and weeks like this too, like you start calling and texting friends that you really only talk to around football games what's the plan we're gonna meet up in indy right. what are we gonna do and we'll see i mean we're gonna see hundreds if not thousands of people who we haven't seen in a while up, up, up in indy so that that's that's what uh, that's what it's all about well this was fun any anything else that you want to touch on um because what i want to do next is is my father-in-law howard kelman is a big alabama fan mm-hmm. um we are a very unbiased program here <laughs> You can't see me. I'm winking right now. We're very biased towards Georgia, but when it comes to when it comes to the big poppy, as we call them, we we, we respect 
his love for Alabama. So I want to give him a few minutes yep. to talk about Alabama. But before we do, is there anything else? Yeah, one one more quick story about the shirtless overtime. So first <laughs> – The guy yeah. loves shirtless yeah. overtime. So first, first, if this game happens to go overtime, and you know, hopefully it doesn't, remember – Shirtless overtime. Rules now, rules. going into the Orange Bowl, you know, I had to have a conversation with my family. And I said, hey, if the off chance this game goes to overtime, we need to be prepared for shirtless overtime. And so I started telling Sam the story. First of all, Lindsay looked at me like I had three eyeballs and I was crazy as hell. And she's like, no, no effing way am I going shirtless overtime. Um, and then I was telling Sammy the story about how we invented this at the Citrus Bowl, you know, however number of years ago. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He goes, you guys started this? This isn't like a real Georgia thing? Like, you know, the most famous tradition in all of sports, spell Georgia. Right. And I was like, yeah, right. buddy. I was like, this is this is just us. But yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. Like, he just thought it was like a legit Georgia tradition. So what, what if we do go to overtime? Which, by the way, could happen. Oh, yeah. Against Alabama and like half the stadium is shirtless. <laughs> hey, then we'll know your sports and torts podcast. That's a big hit, yeah. man. Hey, if you're listening and you're going to be in Indianapolis, just know that, as we say, Rules are rules, and if it's if it goes to overtime, but if you only see like three or four idiots without shirts on in overtime, you'll know who that is too. All right, well, Lawrence, this was great. Um, Howard Kelman, Big Poppy, welcome to the show, Big Poppy. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. How are we doing today? You've got your Alabama gear on. You are all smiles, knowing that your team is yet again playing for the national championship. Now you are an Alabama grad. Um, you are a huge fan. My first question to you, which is my same question I ask of, of every Alabama fan is, does it ever get old winning every time and playing for all these national championships? Never. So it, does, it doesn't get old? No, does not get old. So you, you never miss a game. Um, do you get as nervous watching each game as, as y'all continue to win? Or are you like, hey, we won, what, 18 championships? I'm good now. No, I still... We'll watch TV or, or wherever and still get my jollies up. You do? I, I watch them. Um, sometimes it's a blowout and I'll, you know, this game's over and I'm going off to do whatever I want to do. So not only do you watch it, but you follow it closely and you're very smart about it. You, you, you made a comment to me after the SEC Championship game about the impact of the Mechie injury. Like, which is, which we didn't talk about, but that's, a, that's a big deal. So, um, you, you follow it closer than just getting your jollies on you're, you're, you, you know, the ins and outs, um, this team, this Alabama team has not been one of y'all's more decorated, celebrated, talented teams. Are you surprised that this particular bunch is playing for a championship? Am I surprised? No, because as the season went on, these guys got better and better. They did. I feel like Bryce Young gets better yeah. every time we see him. He was incredible um, against Georgia. Do, do you see him doing the same thing next Monday? I see them switching things up because they, they gave a lot away last week, um, and they, they played a different style than they played against um, Cincinnati. They did. I saw a totally different game – on the field, um, they were very cautious, and yet um, they played magnificently. So the game they played against Auburn mm-hmm. and the game they played against Georgia could not have been more different. Exactly. So what do you think, what Alabama team is going to show up in Indianapolis next week? Um, 
Well, obviously, I think it's going to be what the coaching staff is able to glean out and see what they're going to be able to to throw at Georgia. Yeah. However, they're going to have tricks up their sleeve. Of course they do. And like the last game, I saw, and I watched Bryce for quite a bit uh, of time during the game, and they switched it up. They switched up what they were doing against the first game against Georgia. They did, and they surprised Georgia, and Georgia had no answer. So you just you you just heard me and Lawrence give our predictions for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you agree with us, don't you? Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> How much you got? Um, you think the game's gonna play out differently? I think it's gonna play out a little bit differently. What is yes. your prediction? Uh, what I saw in the last game is we were more cautious they did a lot more uh a lot less running um and and short passes and and that kind of game i think what what bama's going to do this next this next game i think they're going to open it up you think they're going to win yes what do you think the score is going to be um, like I told you earlier, I think it's going to be 26-14. 26-14. Uh-huh. Okay. Do you think Georgia's going to have 26, Alabama's going to have 14? No. But, oh, you think Alabama's going to have 26? Change it around okay. a little bit. Okay. Change it around. Well, the good thing about our family is that no matter what happens, I guess we could say somebody's happy, but I'm not going to be happy if uh, if Alabama wins. You, you know that. So you won't let me in the house? Is I'll let you in it? the house. Okay. So um, you've had the, the just the, the blessing, quite frankly, of – of watching a Bear Bryant coach team mm-hmm. and watching a Nick Saban coach team. Um, I mean, you're splitting hairs trying to come up with who's better, but tell about one, one or two things that, that jump out about either one of them to you. Um, what jumps out to me in relation to Alabama 30 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever till now um, Back then, they were driving Buicks, and today they're driving sports cars. That's a really good analogy. Okay. That's a really good analogy. They're playing a totally different brand of Absolutely, of totally. Now, I think that I think that Bear Bryant would have probably adapted to the sports cars of today, right? He did probably been just as successful. But, yes, without a doubt. But Bryant was more um, on the ground, let's beat their heads in. Old school. Okay, old school. Old school. I've seen some of Definitely. those. Some of those thirty for thirties, no water during practice, mm-hmm. getting in kids' faces. He'd have to alter his approach today's day, but I think that it would still be still be effective. Um, okay, we've never discussed this, so I'm genuinely curious to know: um, Do you have a favorite Alabama player that you have followed through the years, and, and if so, who is it? I don't want to say follow through. I followed through for a few years after I graduated, but but I was a fan of Kenny State. Quarterback. The snake. The snake. Yeah. The snake. Who did he play for in the league? Uh, Raiders and Raiders. Patriots, I believe, and finished his career with the pass. Encyclopedic, encyclopedic knowledge over there by, by Big Lair. I could be wrong, though. I'm just making it up. So, 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 so Lawrence has got two superpowers, and one of them is he knows every NBA player, what round they were drafted in, excuse me, what number they were drafted in, and what team drafted them. <laughs> I, I used to. I'm getting a little rusty with that one. All right, we digress. So Ken Stabler, he was the quarterback when – he was a quarterback in his last year in Alabama was 1971, I think. Okay. It was 71 or 72. Um, but I followed him for a while. He, he was 
It was a piss to watch. Um, and the, 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 you know, the machinations that went on. Um, but he was a great quarterback. He was a great quarterback. For a while, they went without a really good quarterback. Alabama had some down years, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people that are in their in their twenties have only known Alabama as being dominant. But there was a right. time, Mike, you know, the Shula eras, the, uh, the Dennis was, Francione, Dennis Francione, like there were some lean years, and you know, it's going to be tough to see who follows. Saban, because who wants that job? That's right. But Saban will probably coach till he's a hundred. That's right. He's never going to die. He's never. He's never or retire. Um, what about uh, Joe Namath as a quarterback at Alabama? Um, he was a stud, but he was he was fun time. You know, he was big man on campus. Um, Broadway Joe. Broadway Joe. Kept it going with Susie Colbert uh, <laughs> until a couple <laughs> oh, years right. ago. Yeah. I want to kiss you. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. So my my. My favorite Alabama player of recent memory is Derrick Henry. Without a doubt. He Without is a, a complete beast. He actually mm-hmm. was down to Georgia and Alabama choosing his schools. Who knows mm-hmm. if it was a He was actually out. committed to Georgia. He committed as to Georgia. As was Devontae Smith. Oh, gosh. Of course. But anyway, he wears 22. That's what Graham's football number is. We drafted Henry on our fantasy football team this year. He got hurt, of course, and that derailed our, ch- our chances. But nonetheless – you you love Derrick Henry. You you liked him from the beginning. He was a moose. Uh, um, he was a bulldozer. Yeah, and and to some degree he still is, even though he's a quarterback. No, I'm talking about Derrick Henry. Right? Yeah, he still is with the, with the Titans. Yeah, yeah. You like Derrick Henry too, don't you? I mean, he put him on the uh, Mount Rushmore big guys. Talk big about guys. massive yeah, really. running backs. Like he, you remember? Have you seen the the picture of him standing next to Mark Ingram? He's like six five, he's six six, giant. But yeah. you know what? He's trimmed down a bit. He's still He's a giant. Down. Who's your favorite Alabama player? It's a good question. Um, I, you know, I, off the top of my head, I have to say Julio Jones. Um, you know, great player at Alabama. Hated to see him. A great, a great Falcon. Um, you know, quite frankly, I haven't followed him since he's been to Tennessee, but I think the Falcons probably made the right decision. They did. He had, he's done, he's done nothing in Tennessee. Uh, but he's, you know, he's been, he was amazing as a Falcon. Yeah, I liked Julio Jones. So I guess that makes him more of a favorite Falcon who came from Alabama, but that answers the question. That's Just fair. to make a, a U-turn, um, I was looking at what's happening for the draft for Alabama. And I think I, I told you the other day, they got 22 recruits signed up. Oh yeah, yeah. They just they're ready to roll. They right? just they just, they just reload. I mean, they're they're you know they're they're gonna be a top five, top two. And if Bryce Young decides to to move to go to pros, Alabama's already got. The well, I don't think he can. I think he's got one more year. Right, I mean, I think Bryce Young. I think is, that's is right. I think in, he's so. a, is he a is he he's not a true freshman, is he? Sophomore, yeah. So he's got another year, which is not good for Georgia fans. But um, I have, I just have one one final question for you. You you raised your family as as Alabama fans. Your daughter, my wife Dana, is now a Georgia fan. You forgive me for that? Absolutely. There you go. All right. We, ha- we have it written <laughs> we down. Data, we got it on record. Dana, you are clear. We're family. Um, we're, fa- we're, we're, we're family. So very good. Well, look, guys, this was a great time. Um, Lawrence, anything else you want to you wanna add before we sign off and head to Indy for – for great times, you know it's been it's been awesome. It's a great conversation, a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me on here um, again. This is uh, it's now or never, I think, for us Georgia fans right now, and I'm excited for the week. I'm anxious. 
Um, but looking forward to, you know, this is kind of the best part, right? All the talking and conversation, everything that leads up to the pomp and circumstance of the national championship game. So, Hey, it's, it's time to go do this thing. It's, you know, it is one of the better parts, right? It's like the four hours of the game is great, but all this conversation, the discussing about tickets and flights and, you know, you know, pre-planning, like there's there, that, that's cool too. So, um, I'm just excited, you know, looking forward to seeing everybody up there. And uh, go dogs. Yeah. Hey, well, the only thing we're not experienced of the uh, portion of actually getting to buy the gear after the game. So this is why this is our fun part. So maybe we'll get the experience of getting the hats, the T-shirts, the license plate covers, everything else. We'll, we'll, run, we'll run to the Indianapolis Dicks at 2 o'clock in the morning to try to get yeah, the, 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 the fresh never. edition of National Championship Georgia gear. So I have one comment or question. Not even a question, just a, a, a comment. Um, before I die... I want to go on a, on a football trip with you guys. Write it down. There you go. We just can't go to an Alabama game that's because, okay. I, because you know, depending on how this one goes, this might be our last one. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to get uh, uh, Anyway, um, yes, we will do that. And we'll find a golf course to play, too, while we're somewhere. Okay. Do that? Very good. Providing I get through this surgery and I don't have to give it up. There you go. All right. Well, look. Everybody, thank you all for listening. If you enjoyed this, please give us a uh, five-star review. Make sure you subscribe so you can see uh, when new podcasts get, uh, get released. And until next time, hold your head up high and keep chopping.